on TV, online and on your smartphone. This is Ticker News. Hi there, folks. President Biden cut short his Southeast Asian visit. While China, big on the mind of world leaders, of course, at the G7, there's probably a more pressing issue right now for the US president, maybe even those world leaders. What happens if Joe Biden cannot reach a deal with Republicans and the United States actually defaults on its debt? I'm Aaron Young. Let's get started. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Hello and welcome. Today we are asking a really simple question. What happens if the US cannot service its debt? After negotiators failed to raise the federal borrowing limit to reach an impasse, President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy agreed to meet again to avoid a sovereign debt default. House Republican negotiators and White House negotiators failed to bridge their differences over spending levels over the weekend. And as usual, both parties blamed the other. Biden took a sharper tone at a news conference on the sidelines of the G7 summit in Tokyo, saying the House Republicans have taken extreme positions. He added their current proposal, he says, is unacceptable. Have a look. I think there are some MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. And because I am president and presidents are responsible for everything, Biden would take the blame. And that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. Which, of course, the MAGA Republicans would want to make sure of. And the president's tough words marked a change from the upbeat tone he has maintained, more consistent with warnings from White House officials that talks are breaking down. Legislators, aides and officials of the White House say the fundamental disagreements about spending levels are at the root of the stalemate. Here's a question, though. Do some of the Republicans actually have a point? Taxpayers on the foot for trillions of dollars. Can the U.S. keep spending forever? Let's bring in Bruce Wolpe, Senior Fellow at the U.S. Studies Center and also a regular ticker contributor. Bruce, great to see you. Thank you so much, Aaron. Good morning. Uh, as the famous words of that singer go, are we headed for a breakdown? Are we headed for a default, do you think? Uh, right now, it's 50-50 at best that, in fact, a default can be avoided. I think uh, this morning, uh, today, I'm pessimistic uh, because the two sides are growing further apart. Uh, uh, Biden has done something he said he wouldn't do, uh, tie um, discussions of the budget to the debt limit. And the Republican position, if you pointed out, is hardening. They seem to be asking for more spending cuts, more for the military, more for immigration enforcement. It's not on the right track right now. It's a question of who's actually running the country. Uh, well, the president is running the country, and I thought Biden was very astute in the clip that you ran in which he said, if uh, if this thing blows up, uh, the president will get the blame because the country is not running right. And I do think, I agree with him, that uh, certain wings of the Republican Party would be very happy with that outcome because of the political gain they think they can make, all of which means that the negotiating mood is bad, uh, but uh, the real test will come after the first meeting, which will be Monday, Washington time between McCarthy and Biden to see, in fact, if there's a way out of here. Now, let's talk about a default. What does it actually mean? Is it unprecedented? Has the US ever been in a position where it hasn't been able to pay back due to political maneuvering? Uh, never. The United States has always uh, uh, honored its debt since the founding of the, of the Republic in 1789. Uh, and uh, But no one really knows because it is uncharted territory. Uh, there were emails this morning with uh, colleagues in Washington who said, well, social security payments, this is uh, bedrock you know, payments to senior citizens for them to have uh, a life. 
uh, that they could be one of the first things stopped across the country that would affect tens of millions of people. So no one knows. I, I, they assume that interest rates will go through the roof. Uh, consumer spending will stop because people are living in fear. Uh, and uh, you will just have complete chaos from top to bottom throughout the economy. Yeah, and also around the world because US dollar is a sovereign currency traded right around the world in so many ways. We see Russia offered China trying to get away from it as well. Probably they might be trying to get away for, for political reasons, uh, geopolitical reasons, as opposed to concerns about uh, a default. But what would the ramifications, the impact be around the world if the US signals that it cannot pay its debt? Would it one be a concern about the obvious, which is the fiscal or another about just that situation? Situation in Washington, which has felt toxic for decades, now reaching a point where it's completely unworkable and politicians would rather put themselves and re-election in the way of the global economy. I, I think the issue of stability in the United States really dates from President Trump's time in office, where he um, kicked over all kinds of global institutional arrangements on trade, on the economy, on security, NATO, and so forth, at, at having troops in South Korea everything. And so I think people have, wonder, have been wondering, well, what is the staying power of the United States? Yes, Joe Biden is president. Will he win re-election again? Does Trump come back? And so I think it, it fuses uh, political and economic concerns. And, uh, and, uh, and even after a successful weekend, like at the G7, which involves so many of the, which involves the richest democracies in the world, for them to have these questions in the back of their mind over the next 10 days as they watch to see what happens, uh, that's a, it's a perilous time for the United States. Yeah, let's talk about the G7, obviously, all those leaders meeting in Tokyo, uh, that once a year meeting, obviously the big focus about China, then obviously Ukraine, Zelensky was there as well and made that call for the F-16s. We'll talk about that later on. But would those G7 leaders be pressing Biden on get this done? This is the last thing after we've seen inflation around the world, after the global economy has been shifted around in unprecedented territory post-COVID as well. And then there's the pandemic too. The last three years, it'd be lovely if we could all take a pill and it disappeared, but it's yeah. here and they were with Biden over the weekend. What pressure would those leaders be putting on the US president to beg for some sort of certainty? Uh, they didn't have to put any pressure on Biden because that's exactly what Biden wants to do. And he is determined to do it. This is going to be the, uh, the ultimate test uh, on economic policy of his uh, first term in office. So we will just have to see. But the, and the fact is, because there is goodwill between those leaders and Biden, we saw um, a, a series of successes in this G7 meeting, a degree of uh, amity and, uh, and, and coherence and continuity on all the issues that you outlined. Yeah. Uh, very reassuring, I think, to uh, global audiences as to where the leading powers of the world are and where they want to go. Well, let's talk about Zelensky there. He's been wanting the F-16s for quite some time. The Americans haven't wanted him to have access to them. They may not deliver them directly, but they have to give the say-so as the country that manufactures them. Who do you think will give the F-16s to uh, the Ukrainians? There'd been a, a big concern that the Ukrainians wouldn't be able to train up quickly enough on them. They're pretty complex Swiss army knives. I think they're uh, referred to the F-16s. It's a pretty monumental decision to give them the F-16s, isn't it? Uh, yes, uh, and and previously we've seen uh, Europe uh, supply key weapons at key junctures. Uh, there's a tactical issue: uh, when are the warplanes most most needed and effective? And the judgment is that is now. But there's also the issue of provoking Russia. In other words, if they if you're, you're given you're giving Ukraine an attack weapon that has the ability to go into Russian territory and uh, expand the war, and then what does that lead to? Does that lead to 
Putin's using a tactical nuclear weapon. Um, well, how long until Putin essentially turns his attention to the West as a, I mean, it's just a proxy, right? The, the, the West is using Ukraine or perhaps Ukraine is using the West, it's hard to say, but someone's using someone. The outcome is that Western gear is being used against Russia and it keeps coming. At what stage does Russia say, that's enough, this is no longer about Ukraine and it could escalate into something bigger. Is the F-16 going to be that moment? I don't. I hope not, but no one knows for sure. But this is an issue that I think is parsed uh, in Putin's mind and assessed by the allies every single day because it is a live wire. Uh, but the, the judgment has been reached. Yes, the F-16 should be provided. Yes, they will be used uh, to liberate Ukrainian territory. No, they will not be directed against Russia. And so things should not get completely out of hand. But that's been a gamble on this war since it started. Yeah, and the trick just quickly is, of course, to make sure that the F-16s don't end up in Russian airspace because that's their biggest fear is that Moscow gets attacked by the Ukrainians and then it's on. Absolutely. And I'm sure the Russians want to shoot down an F-16 as soon as they can to show exactly their staying, their staying power and their, stay, and their firepower. There's a lot of love in that region, isn't there? Uh, Bruce Wolpe is joining <laughs> us as we're discussing what is happening around the world. You can keep tuning in. We'll be back uh, right after this. I'm Aaron Young. Do stay with us.